The Primal Pioneer. Live an outdoor life. Hosted by Quantum Clinician and creator of the Sunlight RX, Heather Shepard. Hi everyone, welcome to the Primal Pioneer Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, and today you're listening to episode four. And during this episode today, I interview Tristan Haggard over at Primal Edge Health. He's a really awesome guy. He's an expert in the realms of ketogenic and carnivore diets. And he has not only transformed his life and his family has transformed their own lives as well using ketogenic dietary principles and carnivore diets. So today I'm really super stoked to have him on the show with you all to share his expertise and info in those realms. He's helped thousands of people get started the right way, meaning the accurate, correct way with ketogenic dieting. There's a lot of myths out there around this stuff and and how to do it and Tristan really does an awesome job. He's super educated and informed on this topic. If you're someone out there exploring a ketogenic diet and just trying to get started with one, please seek help from somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, you can Google all of this stuff, but you're not going to get the ins and outs, the the understanding of, okay, how does the diet, how does food impact your mitochondria? How does it impact your energy levels? What are all of these different components that you need to be uh, adding into your diet nutrient-wise to help you meet your health goals to help you meet your health requirements. There's a lot to this. goes far beyond the brain of Google. And Tristan is a real, real expert in this area. So during this episode, Tristan and I talk about the benefits of animal fats, cautions and dangers of vegan keto, underlying causes of diseases like cancer, We get into the topic of radionics, which is a frequency-based modality that influences health and healing. We myth-bust causes of global warming, and we talk about the celebrity global influence of vegan diets and how this is actually harming people and the planet. We talk about how you can feed more people in healthy, sustainable ways with meat-based diets versus plant-based diets and much more. So Tristan is someone I consider to be a real expert in the field of keto and carnivore diets. There's a lot of misinformation out there today about this whole high-fat, higher animal protein diets, and Tristan is your go-to guy when it comes to really myth-busting the pros, the cons of ketogenic dieting, and he's very, very educated on this topic. So I hope you all find this episode insightful and informative along your healing journey. Okay, Tristan from the Primal Edge Health. Thanks for joining me here today. Super excited and stoked to have you on the show. Um, I was inspired to have you on here after watching some of your, your YouTube podcasts 
and uh, I'm just super inspired by your lifestyle, the information and knowledge you share with people about the ketogenic lifestyle. We'll get into more of that along the show. And basically, you and your family moved from California to Ecuador several years ago to live a different life. And um, so I'm really curious to get into that more. What prompted you to do that? What you've experienced and, and learned from that process? So welcome. Thanks for having me on. Really nice to meet you, Heather. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here talking to you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, Tristan. So, um, first of all, you're an expert in the keto realm uh, with keto diets. And um, I, I guess most people, when they get into nutrition, they get into diets, health, the, the healing realms. They've been through some healing themselves to, to get them along that journey. And I'm just curious if you'd be uh, open to sharing a little bit of your own personal healing journey with us all here. Cool. Yeah. I will. I grew up kind of standard American lifestyle, grew up in the suburbs of California, uh, basically just eating boxes of cereal, very low nutrition foods, all the foods that I thought tasted great uh, and basically was addicted to later, later on and come to realize that these are just, you know, essentially toxic kibble, um, you know, prepackaged, processed uh, human chow. And yeah, so, you know, standard American lifestyle grew up with asthma, allergies, kind of like the standard autoimmune stuff that a lot of kids grow up with. And uh, my body just never, never really functioned as well as I knew it could, right? I was always kind of hitting a, um, uh, hitting up against this barrier of uh, the limitations of my health. And yeah, as the, as the years went by, I kind of um, gradually came to notice through certain injuries that I had, I mean, basically kind of got in a semi-car accident. I was skateboarding and ran into a car, kind of injured my hip. And the pain from that made me realize that I was definitely living a suboptimal lifestyle, right? Just not healing the body correctly after that injury kind of made me look into nutrition. I had a friend who introduced me to the idea of using nutrition to accelerate healing, Unfortunately, that friend was using a vegan approach and very, very, yeah. So basically got introduced to health and nutrition through kind of a vegan lens and explored that a little bit, quickly realized that it was not the way to go, that we need animal foods in order to, uh, to function well, in order to thrive optimally, in order to, uh, to heal the body. Um, and looking at a lot of things from like the Weston A. Price Foundation, uh, the, realizing the, uh, the importance of animal foods through, through our daughter. Our daughter was born in 2012, and she had dental caries when she was a year old. And we were trying to look into reasons why um, so many kids, you know, we knew a lot of other people whose kids also had dental caries. We start looking into this information, basically dentists are going to blame the mother they're gonna say breast milk is the problem you have breast milk and the sugars from the breast milk are eating up the baby's teeth just nonsense obviously um so we looked into the weston a price stuff, realized the importance of fat soluble vitamins realized the importance of animal foods even though we had already you know we've been eating animal foods but they were kind of taking a a back seat to more standard, you know, plant foods. And uh, so we stopped eating grains. We started giving our daughter lots of liver, lots of animal fats, um, focusing on high nutrition, 
nutrient dense animal foods. And we saw a dramatic turnaround in her dental health. So the dental caries stopped. Uh, now she has her adult teeth coming in and they're all perfectly uh, formed, strong adult teeth. So um, yeah, that was kind of the, the genesis of our, uh, our little project here with Primal Edge Health to share with people our journey and uh, help people to reach a better state of health so that they can live a, uh, to be useful basically yeah. to themselves and, uh, and to others. Yeah, that's really, that's really sweet. And um, I think that's a really important point you bring up. You know, I laughed a little bit when you mentioned the vegan diets because I had about a seven year stint on a vegetarian diet was pretty much killing myself. Oh, massive anxiety hormones, just totally off. Um, and so I don't think people understand this correlation between, you know, we have this misconception in our culture that plant-based diets are healthier than you know, animal fat based diets, animal protein based diets. So it sounds like you have your own little personal experience with that. And um, tell us a little bit about the big difference nutritionally. Like, okay, why did the plant or why did the animal based diet, the high animal fat diet, support your daughter's teeth, support your hip healing journey? You know, tell the audience a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I mean, basically, when you look at human nutrition, when you look at the vitamins, minerals, and cofactors that we need, you have everything that the human body needs to grow, to repair, and to thrive available in animal foods without a lot of the uh, disruptive elements that plant foods come with, right? So plants, I'm not against plants, but uh, plant foods, as far as nutrition for building the human body, they don't provide what the body needs. You know, we need things like vitamin B12, right? B vitamins being a huge deficiency that vegans experience. It's not just because they're not eating the B vitamins. Also, their gut is not able to produce these, uh, these B vitamin producing microbes to the extent that, uh, that we should be able to, to produce them. So you have things like lectins, phytates, uh, oxalates, a lot of these anti-nutrients that will actually block the uptake of minerals and, and uh, nutrients like calcium. So when you eat something like spinach, you look on paper and it's, oh, it's got a lot of calcium. If I eat a lot of spinach, that's going to make me have strong bones. And look at Popeye. He ate a bunch of spinach and he's jacked. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like we have, we get these ideas, but they're basically mythologically implanted in us through, uh, through marketing. You know, I mean, spinach yeah. is not some superfood, some incredible, amazing food. The leafy greens are not what's building your body. It's the animal foods. It's the animal fats. So we need cholesterol to, uh, to build our brain or myelin sheaths or, uh, are all made of cholesterol. Every single cell in our body is that contains cholesterol for a reason and our body makes it for a reason as well. So we need fats. We need cholesterol. We need fat soluble vitamins like vitamin K2, uh, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin K2 and vitamin D are incredibly important for bone formation, for bone mineral density. And these are available in large quantities in foods like grass fed butter and foods like animal fats when they're eating pasture. So you're seeing, um, nutrients in their most bioavailable form that we can actually digest, those come from animals. Mm -hmm. Plant foods contain lots of vitamins and minerals on paper. Mm -hmm. The issue is the absorbability of those, the, uh, the nature of our modern environment kind of being very destructive to the gut microbiome. We have a lot of antibiotics that people are taking. We have a lot of, uh, we're eating like pesticide drenched food. We're eating food that opens up our, um, our microvilli within our gut 
and creates a situation where we're going to have leaky gut. We're going to be intaking uh, through the bloodstream directly all sorts of toxins that we shouldn't be exposed to. And a lot of us with our guts, which are uh, you know, chronically disrupted through use of things like NSAIDs, right? Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, right? Like uh, Tylenol ibuprofen i can't tell you how many times i probably took ibuprofen as a kid doing like little league and shit when i you know you get a minor ache or you get a little bit of inflammation you're just popping these pills that are wrecking your liver wrecking your gut and uh, then we try to digest a bunch of plants or go on an exclusively plant-based diet where you're not getting the uh the proteins, the amino acids in the bioavailable form, they're, they're coming locked up in a matrix of fiber that we can hardly uh, handle, many of us. Some people can digest fiber relatively well, uh, but some people just don't handle it that well. So anyways, the plant foods don't provide everything that the body needs in order to grow. If you limit those plant, I'm sorry, if you limit animal foods, if you limit the most nourishing and bioavailable foods to the human body, you're going to run into issues with development. You know, Weston A. Price in his book showed that if you deprive pigs, if you de deprive a pregnant pig of vitamin A, the babies are going to be born without fully developed central nervous systems and eyes. So they'll be born blind without eyes with the deprivation of this fat-soluble vitamin, which you find in high quantities in foods like liver in foods like shellfish, like fish, like grass-fed ruminant animals and the organs, you're going to find all the nutrition we need. And you don't find that in plants. And a lot of the plants that we're eating might even be disrupting the absorption of other minerals. Everybody knows about gluten, but uh, it goes a little bit further, further than just uh, you know, gluten and lectins. When you start looking at things like oxalate, things like uh, salicylate, uh, histamines, a lot of these other plant um, toxins and these other plant compounds that can be disruptive to our health. A lot of people are eating way too many of these. So, um, yeah, we kind of learned through trial and error that you can't deprive yourself of animal foods without suffering negative consequences. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. And I think it's really good for, uh, the listeners here to get this really, uh, this perspective from someone other than myself. So, it's really good to hear your experience. Um, obviously, you have a lot of expertise in this area. And animal fats definitely changed my life, my health uh, vastly, especially when I started to combine it with sunlight. Um, but let's get into this area of, of meat sustainability because yeah. of all the vegans and vegetarians out there, um, you know, uh, methane causes uh, greenhouse gas emissions and this is a really you know so misunderstood so much bad science so much bad media out there about this and when i mean bad it's just really inaccurate and poor so so how do you even how do you even start right it's like <laughs> where, where do you even start to, to to break down this this jenga uh set of uh, of an argument for veganism it's really it really crumbles upon its own upon itself right we need all right well when you talk about sustainability a lot of people talk about greenhouse gas emissions as this as if the greenhouse gas emissions are the major driver of so-called climate change that's the first assumption that's being made that i think people really need to look into there are other things beyond just greenhouse gases that affect climate like the sun <laughs> like 
like that huge ball of light that heats up and illuminates at the place we live, maybe that has a small effect on climate. Maybe that has an effect on the seasons and, uh, and looking into uh, other effects uh, you know, from like the celestial bodies. We're, we're definitely not, we're definitely not going to uh, do ourselves any favor by just focusing on carbon dioxide and greenhouse gases. So I think the whole greenhouse gas climate change driver theory is inherently flawed. And there's a guy named, uh, there's a climate scientist called Ned Nikolov, Ned Nikolov on Twitter. Uh, they recently published a scientific paper about how solar energy, solar radiation is the major driving force behind uh, climactic changes throughout the, uh, throughout the ages. So um, that's the first part. Now, going past the the whole greenhouse gas fallacy argument, which obviously it's going to, you know, people are going to have to do some more research on this to understand this a little bit deeper. You also have the talk about land usage, which is really, really flawed also. A lot of the vegetarians, vegans will say, well, look, you can feed this many calories. You can feed 10 million calories to somebody using this much land, and they'll quantify land usage for agricultural purposes and they'll use the metric of calories produced. Well, you can produce a million calories worth of inedible wheatgrass uh, in a very short amount of time using GMO seeds on you know, highly um, tilled soil where all the carbon is being broken up and released into the atmosphere through the tilling of the soil. You can do that and you can make a lot of calories, but not all calories are the same. All right, calories from animal foods are much more valuable than calories from spinach, kale, and lettuce, right? We're looking at something that is completely different. And you've got to look at the ability of ruminant animals to actually upcycle materials from the land, from local environments and create protein and fat and carbohydrate. Usable protein, fat, and carbohydrate comes through that cow uh, from its, during its entire life cycle. And you can feed an entire family using one animal on a very, very small piece of land using grass-fed ruminants. Whereas if you're going to try to feed a small, uh, you know, a family off of exclusively plant foods, first of all, you can't do it. You're not going to be able to do that on one small piece of land. You're not even going to be able to do that off uh, of a massive farm. You know, you have so much processing that is required to turn plant foods into edible protein that you're creating far more pollution through transportation you're creating far more deaths through crop deaths uh, more deaths of animals you're destroying the soil through the tilling of the land and also the uh, the use of pesticides and herbicides and roundup that's being used for all these vegetarian vegan foods so there's there's a whole mosaic um of reasons why plant agriculture is not more sustainable and uh, you know animals are incredibly important especially if we want to focus on locally produced food to feed ourselves right if you want the lowest uh, environmental impact you want to go for locally produced agriculture for locally produced animal foods and going towards a plant-based diet it's really hip and it's really uh it's really being pushed right now by the big money interests. You know, these big celebrities, these big uh, degenerate celebrities like Jay-Z and Beyonce are telling everybody that you should go vegan. And if you go vegan, you can have free tickets to our concert. And uh, Snoop Dogg is representing uh, Beyond Meat on his Instagram, like telling everybody to buy Beyond Burgers and go vegan. Arnold Schwarzenegger telling everybody to go vegan. Um, You've got a big push from big money interests in big tech, in big ag, in big pharma, with 
uh, a lot of these people have a lot to gain through sh- transitioning us to this so-called sustainable plant-based diet as they're starting to market us fake meats, which is based off of soy, wheat, and corn, monocropped, GMO, uh, seed, uh, crops that require a lot of pesticides, a lot of herbicides, and a lot of transport and pr- uh, processing. They stand to make a lot of money off of this. So, um, yeah, I think uh, those are just a few of the reasons why we might might want to uh, consider, or we should all consider, focusing on animal foods, on locally produced ruminant animals, on wild caught seafood, shellfish, on locally procured and produced foods, rather than moving towards the so called sustainable diet that is promoted by Nestle, Monsanto, Bayer Pharmaceutical, um, Cargill, all these massive international corporations, these huge global corporations are all pushing for a plant-based diet because they want to feed you a bunch of patented kibble, essentially. And people are willing to march in the streets to, uh, to promote this diet because they're told this story that it's more sustainable, that it feels good. Oh, look at this 16-year-old human shield right here that we're going to parade around in front of you in the media. She says that eating meat is bad. She says the world is uh, is so bad right now and the earth is dying and you're stealing her future. Go vegan out of guilt because of this little you know, poor abused actress that we're going to parade around in front of you. And um, you know, the, the arguments are paper thin. They're not they're not valid arguments that were being uh, presented for going vegan. And I would say that it actually is going to have the exact opposite effect on environmental devastation on our health. And, um, and we're being misled by this whole, you know, plant-based propaganda movement, which is really old. You know I mean? It's been going on since it's decades of social engineering that have gone into marketing us this stuff, you know, Kellogg's, he, was a member of the Seventh-day Adventist church. And he was, uh, he was actually going to the sanitariums that were set up by Seventh-day Adventists in the United States. Uh, his family was involved in the eugenics movement. They actually made cornflakes as an option for people to feed their children in order to decrease their fertility and decrease their virility because they said that eating meat would make you masturbate more and that eating meat would make you uh, you know, more uh, in, involved in the, the sins of the flesh. Therefore, we should go for a plant-based diet. So Kellogg's was literally designed as a anti-fertility tool to decrease your fertility, your sex drive, aka your energy levels. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the, there's a lot to kind of unpack in all that. Yeah, I don't think people know half of the story there. So it's good for them to really hear this perspective Um, especially when there are so many celebrities, people in quote unquote power promoting these plant-based diets, you know, Ellen DeGeneres on her, on her Instagram, you know, a few days ago, just, just blew this thing up saying, using a hashtag, be neat, don't eat meat. And I was like, oh my God. I saw that video, you watch it. It's so corny. She's like, Hey, uh, you know, maybe like, I'm not saying you got to never eat meat, but Hey, just don't eat meat every day maybe a couple days a week or like three days a week. Don't eat meat. <laughs> it was just, it was such a sloppily put together um, fluff yeah. ad for, 
you know, veganism. And what, this is not free. You know, Ellen DeGeneres doesn't get in front of a camera right. and, you know, blast out these messages all through social media and all through mainstream media just because she wants to save the world. She's being handled. She's being told what to do by these producers. Um, and, yeah, Hollywood is, is really pushing it really hard now. And you see it, you see it affecting these celebrities too, like Jaden Smith. Like there's this uh, some article floating around, you know, clickbait celebrity gossip uh, article about Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith having an intervention with Jaden Smith, their son, because he was on this vegan vegetarian kick, and they said his skin started to turn gray and his <laughs> eyes were sunken, and he just and he he you know looked terrible, felt terrible. And was having all sorts of issues. So these people are going to suffer from the stupid decisions they're being influenced to make. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of big money behind this. There's a lot of um, you know, generational money behind this. These big foundations like the Rockefeller Foundation, like the MacArthur Foundation, um, you know, the running organizations like the World Research Institute that's working to push this whole uh, narrative that climate change, the, the dangers of climate change, need to be mitigated by eating a plant-based diet and paying a whole bunch of taxes to the government and moving into smart cities and having all of our resources controlled. It's really backwards. It is. It is. And you're, you're right. When you look at these people, they, they look absolutely so unhealthy, you know, not here to blow up or put down any of this, any, anybody, but you know, if you take a look at Ellen, she looks super deprived, you know, like, you know, so, um, so, Let's take this um, into the keto realm because um, one of the groups I run and manage on Facebook is called the Keto Cancer Solution because I work with a lot of people who have cancer. And one of the most common questions I get is, um, I'm doing vegan keto. <laughs> and this, this is like, they're not getting the point. They're not, they're, so there's- I mean, well what what do you think is wrong with that? Like, what what would you say is is an issue with vegan keto, and why might why might that be not the best way to go? Why are we both cringing right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, personally, um, when I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the big the biggest issue for me is the type of fats they're eating. Yeah. Just just putting the plants aside, if we're just looking at the type of fats they're eating, I've seen so many people destroy their livers eating bad fats, but going vegan keto. So, um, you know, tell us, explain, you know, go ahead and get into that a little bit on your end as well, but, but explain to the listeners here, the difference between the quality of like a fat is not a fat is not a fat and, and right. how your cells, mitochondria and body handle different fats differently. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, polyunsaturated fats, they create mitochondrial disruption. The, uh, these omega-6 fatty acids that these vegans are so focused on, these uh, the, the PUFAs and the vegetable oil, um, they're awful. They're terrible. You mentioned liver damage, uh, you know, creating fatty liver. Uh, this is you know, creating metabolic syndrome in people. They, these polyunsaturated fatty acids are one of the worst things you can consume. So if people are doing a therapeutic ketogenic diet for cancer, obviously they're, they're avoiding uh, you know, sugar and glucose. But you know, for the average population who's not battling a, a, you know, cancer, you try to use a ketogenic approach, those polyunsaturated fatty acid vegetable oils are way worse than any sugar you can consume, right? And probably including high fructose corn, corn syrup. Um, you know, a lot of people in the keto world, they tend to get freaked out about carbohydrates. I don't think carbohydrates are inherently bad at all. Uh, it's, it's about the context, right? But those 
plant fats are awful. The protein quality that you're going to be getting from those plants is also very, very low, very low digestibility, very low bioavailability. And I mean, what is your protein source going to be on a plant-based ketogenic diet? What are, what are these people eating for protein? Is it like soy and stuff? Or it's <laughs> a good question. Um, soy, nuts, nut butters. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the problems with these all, so then you're going to have a lot of issues with, well, first of all, nuts, oxalates, right? Nut butters being a major protein source. If you're having uh, almonds, right? These almonds come, you look on paper, they've got a lot of calcium. Well, they've also got a lot of what's called oxalic acid. Oxalic acid will bind to calcium and you will not be able to absorb that calcium and it can actually get stuck and lodged in a lot of places in the body. It'll actually uh, bioaccumulate and organs like the thyroid can bioaccumulate in the brain oxalates can uh, cause calcium oxalate kidney stones so you see a lot of vegans and vegetarians coming off of their diet and having kidney stones very very common and uh so people are going to be running the risk of consuming a lot of these plant toxins when they're doing something like this when you're eating animal foods animal foods are the easiest digested foods you don't require um, the supercharged gut microbiome that can handle all the you know fiber and whatnot. With a lot of us are dealing with uh, when you're dealing with cancer, when you're dealing with a serious autoimmune condition, there's usually a major gut uh, com uh, component to it. The gut is very often suffering as well, and a lot of them cannot digest a lot of these foods that they're eating. So animal foods are the easiest digested foods. Uh, they're the most bang for your buck as far as protein and fat quality go and the fat that you're getting from an animal it's much different from the, the fat that you're getting from a plant so when you're having something like coconut oil even though on paper it's not so bad it's got the mcts that are easily converted into energy and ketones what you're not getting that you're going to be getting from something like ruminant animal fat or uh lamb or suet from a sheep from a uh, from a ruminant animal what you're not getting is that the fats on those animals are part of the endocrine system. The fat on those animals is an organ, and it's creating hormones. It's releasing leptin. It's, uh, you know, the fat is it's, it's active. It's biologically living tissue in that animal that is creating substances, transmuting substances. There's water that flows through there, and it's far more than just fat. You've got a lot more nutrients other than just saturated fat and monounsaturated fat when you're eating these animal fats. So you have vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin K2, all these fat-soluble vitamins. But there are a lot of other factors that we aren't even measuring. So when you eat a food like bone marrow, uh, bone marrow stores most of the stem cells in our body. A lot of the stem cells in our body are stored up in our fat and in the marrow. So a lot of people, uh, when they consume bone marrow, they find that it improves their immune system function. And these are things that haven't even been studied and identified, possible compounds that we could be consuming in animal fats, uh, as well as all the things that we do know about, like the fat-soluble vitamins. Um, so yeah, animal foods, far superior to plant foods. I think a vegan ketogenic diet is the quickest way to burn out. A vegan ketogenic diet is probably the worst uh, diet that one could do. Like vegan keto, <laughs> probably worse than fruitarianism. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's it's pretty intense. Um, you know, I had this one individual I was working with who went to this prominent naturopath who put her. Uh, this this woman had uh, cancer in her small intestine, in one of the lymph nodes in there, and um, went to a naturopathic doctor. Naturopath put her on a vegan keto diet, so she was. This woman was eating so many oils, the poofas you're talking about. Went for a scan after being on this this uh, high vegan keto after a month or two, and started to get lesions in her liver. And then, so then comes to me, and there's this whole mess to clean up because it's just this really big misconception that uh, you know. I hope people are really hearing you say the nutrient availability, the nutrient bioavailability, the digestibility um, of the animal fats versus things like plant oils really really important right the bioavailability thing is huge so a lot of us are focused on people think that fiber is somehow going to help them it's so great for them a lot of these foods that are coming with all this fiber that fiber is indigestible and a lot of those nutrients are locked up in that matrix of fiber you see it in your poop it's coming right out the other end mm -hmm. right so it's animal foods very very low uh there it's a no fiber uh, food. It's a low res uh, residue food. And when you're consuming animal foods, they are completely absorbed and assimilated before they get to the colon. So it doesn't require a lot of uh, digestive power to digest animal foods. Now, if you have weak stomach acid, it can be an issue. And if you have you know, food that's getting through the stomach and not being properly broken down because the pH of your stomach isn't right, that can be an issue. And that's a major issue with vegetarians and vegans as well. Not producing enough HCL, not producing the stomach acid to break down the food because you're not eating the foods that stimulate its production. Animal foods animal protein and fat stimulates that production, stimulates the bile production. And uh, so, yeah, if you're trying to do something like that, you're going to be getting more indigestible, indigested food, undigested food getting into your gut, whereas a lot of that wouldn't be reaching it if you were eating a you know, human-appropriate diet and a diet that you can digest, which the easiest foods to digest are animal foods. And I think if you, if you understand that, if you intuit this, and if you feel this out – it really changes things as far as uh, dietary choices going forward because animal foods satiate like no other foods. They build the immune system like no other foods. And if you go too long without animal foods, it becomes very, very hard for the body to deal with um, external stressors or internal stressors and disease states like, uh, like cancer. So with, with that person that you mentioned, where they were eating all the polyunsaturated fats and they had the lesions in the liver, yeah. uh, what what would you do in such a situation? Like, what would be an approach? That was an interesting question. So, um, of course, we we switched her over to more of the animal ketogenic diet, animal based fats. But I also um, use a, a frequency healing modality called radionics, and really really effective at removing poisons, toxins, radiations from the body. So what happened was I targeted her liver to remove the PUFAs basically from her liver. Did that for two months, went back, scan was completely clear. So those are, we kind of combined those two approaches to, to help her there. So and what about the gut? How did, how did the, uh, you mentioned the lymph node. Yeah. Was... Yeah. So that was a work in progress, but you know, she had um, a lot of seafood on the diet to help heal her gut. 
Um, we did a lot of stuff to help move her lymph and detox her lymph. The thing was this, this um, individual, and I'll, I'll keep anonymous, um, but they also had this um, past history of uh, measles, mumps. So, so yeah. when we did some testing, it was like that virus was stuck in her small intestine in the lymph that was actually contributing to the issue. So once we, um, once we helped clear the virus and, and put her on a diet where she was actually able to start absorbing, assimilating, healing her, her, uh, her galt, you know, the, the lymph tissue in the uh, digestive tract, things started to turn around from her, scans started to come out clean. Um, so those are a few approaches we took to, to support her there. Yeah. And was she underweight? Oh, totally underweight. Super. Could not gain weight. Could not. That's the thing. It's like when somebody's underweight, they're undergoing cancer treatment. They don't want to over, like they're afraid to eat, right? Because they hear about fasting. They hear about yes. deep ketosis. So there's like, it's, it can be a conundrum, right? It's like, well, they don't want to eat because they're afraid that the, you know, every, any food is going to exacerbate it, yes. but they need to gain weight. And if they're underweight, their immune system's not going to function. So yes. how do you, how do you navigate that? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. So, um, you know, with everyone I work with, we, we do stool, we do uh, DNA GI map stool testing so I can see what's going on in their gut. Let's just take this person as an individual, as a case, because, um, it's so common that a lot of people who have cancer, especially cancers in the digestive tract, uh, the small intestine, particularly, they're really underweight, yeah. can't gain weight. They're afraid to eat anything no matter what they eat, they can't gain weight. Um, so it's so complex, but, um, yeah, you got to take it case by case, but just for this specific one, how do you, how do you go about it? Did she gain weight or he, he or she? Yeah. She started to gain weight once we got her off of all the oils. And, um, you know, honestly, the biggest thing was getting the virus out of her lymph so that she could start absorbing things because she had this virus in her small intestine that was basically shutting down her small intestine from absorbing, from assimilating. Um, so that was a big starting area. And also this person led a really big EMF lifestyle. Yeah. Things we don't like really consider like, oh, that, that shouldn't really harm your ability to absorb and digest. But that's a really complex issue, but it, it does. So we took a bunch of different approaches. One, she went on a ketogenic based diet, animal proteins, but we focused on a lot of repairing your gut with shellfish, with, um, with particular fish broths. And that seemed to be uh, combined with animal fat, really helpful for her. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think the gut is so, so huge. Um, I, I don't even think we understand half of it at this point in, in the viral component is something that a lot of people, a lot of people don't know about, you know, like yes. latent viruses and stuff, how that can be affecting. And yeah. a lot of people are starting to become aware of like Epstein Barr. A lot of people might have, you know, experience with friends or family that have had that diagnosis. But I think, uh, yeah, it goes a lot it goes beyond that. And we haven't even uh, maybe broached the surface of a lot of this stuff. You know, I think that's a really good point because um, 90% of the people who come to me with cancer got autoimmunity. 
it's not that honestly their diets usually are not that great but some people's it's not the worst thing out there but what yeah. tends to be the biggest thing is there some kind of multiple co-infections multiple viral bacterial fungal infections that are clogging up the system that really are causing the issue um and preventing yeah. any forward movement so that is a really really good point and most people don't consider that um you know that ear infection that they got continuously at 12 13 14 years old how it could still be you know lodged in their gut or in their lymph system and still causing issues today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's really, really huge and a good point to bring up for sure. Um, so any of you, if you're out there, you're struggling with your health, you're not making the forward movement you want with your diet. Yes. Start with uh, a solid uh, animal fat, animal protein based diet, but also, you know, take a look at some of these past bacterial, viral, fungal loads, they're so important to address. So when you when you go attack some of these some of these viral loads, like what what type of route do you take? And you mentioned that she had an infection that was a late like a from from measles in in the yeah. gut. So what what type of route do you take when you're gonna when you're gonna attack something like that? Yeah, that's a good question. I like how this interview is going. I I appreciate your questions. They're really great. Sorry, I'm trying to turn the table on you. I'm, I'm interested in what you're doing. <laughs> I love it. No, it's good. It's, I love the conversation, you know, because I feel like it really complements each other, you know, yeah. here. So, um, so I use the modality that I mentioned, the radionics modality, to test yeah. for where these certain pathogens are. So let's say this, you know, this, this, let's just take this case that there are measles virus stuck in the small intestine lymph where she had cancer. So you can kind of pinpoint where that's at using the, the radionics modality. And radionics, just for any of you who are, who are uncertain about it, um, think about it in this way. It's a frequency-based modality. And think of it as if you turn your radio station to 92.5, you're not sitting at the radio station. You can't see anything lined up, but you can turn it on and there, there it goes. You can hear what's coming through on your end. Similarly, radionics, you, um, you have a device and you put uh, an information about the individual, about the individual's DNA in the device. Through the scalar wave, that you can you can test you can um send healing broadcasts and frequencies from the device to the individual being worked on just as you could tune into that radio station with with those certain radio frequencies now the the radionics is not radio frequencies but it uses scalar wave predominantly scalar wave frequencies to carry that to tunnel that information from the device to the individual being worked on so like I'll work on, I live in Taos, New Mexico, just outside of Taos. And I have people I work on all the way to Australia. They're in Australia and I can work on them using this modality because of uh, the way the scalar wave can effectively carry these frequencies on it. Mm -hmm. Pretty out there for a lot of people. Um, but it works really well. It's very super effective. Um, and and um, so this is the approach I take with most people who have a chronic condition um, or anything that they want to, 
you know, removed from, from their body, heavy metal toxicity, um, uh, vi high viral loads. So you can use the modality to test, okay, where are these, what kind of, of pathogens or toxins are in this person's body? Let's say mercury was one. Okay, where is it located? Is it in their thyroid? Is it in their liver? Then you can target the area to facilitate the removal of these things. So that's kind of a basic, um, a basic uh, explanation, um, but there's a lot of quantum physics behind it, but that's kind of a basic explanation for, for the listeners there. I see, your, I see your wheels are spinning a little bit. Yeah, it's fascinating. I'm just, yeah, I'm just listening. Because I don't know that much about radionics. I'm not, I'm not that familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but that's a big modality that I use. A lot of people, like, um, got autoimmunity is a huge one because I think there's a lot of misconceptions that um, people have to live with their autoimmunity. And I think that's BS. I don't think that's accurate. Um, I think there's definitely, and I've had experience with helping people, um, like remove the root of the issue. Like usually in gut autoimmunity, a hundred percent of the time, there's a bacterial overload in their gut. So you have to get the bacteria out. Can you get the bacteria out with diet? No, you can't. You can't fully, not fully get it out with diet. Can you fully get the bacteria or viral load or fungal load out with herbs and supplements? Not in my experience. You have to dissolve the frequency to create a new blueprint, a new frequency. So, um, so anyway, that was kind of an aside about, about radionics. You got me going in my wheelhouse there. There you go. So you think it gets more to the root of the issue than, than a lot of the other routes? Yeah, um, I, I do. But then there's other, you know, adding in stuff like, you know, solid diet. Um, keeping EMF slow, utilizing sunlight, add all those in and you cannot lose in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. And is that why you live in New Mexico? Like you, you like the other uh, drier climate with the more sunlight. Is that part of the, uh, of why you moved there for health? Or? <laughs> That's interesting. I kind of moved here serendipitously after a dream I had from, from Portland, Oregon. Um, but I honestly didn't realize that the health effects until from being here along, you know, over time, I've been here for almost 10 years now and yeah. sunlight has been incredibly healing. We need more water for sure. You made a big lifestyle transition as well in environment yeah. from California to Ecuador. Why? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I I'd sometimes ask myself the same question. I, <laughs> it's, it's really, there's no definitive answer to that question. Um, all right. So in 2000, 2009, 2000, 2010, we came to Ecuador, uh, November 1st, 2010, we arrived in Ecuador. We, uh, we both finished at uh, university, went to the university of California, Santa Cruz. Um, I was looking, I was looking at more education. I was going to have to go. I was thinking about becoming either a naturopath or getting into chiropractic. So I was kind of in this healing, um, realm was really interested in health and uh you know improving my health and getting rid of my chronic pain and wanted to take that route but i got kind of disillusioned with the whole academic situation really didn't want to continue with uh with academia and uh so yeah we we saved up some money we ended up visiting ecuador and 
we just really liked it. We came down here in 2010. We were just kind of looking around and, uh, I don't know, we visited this little town in the middle of nowhere up in the Andes and we love the climate. The people were really cool. Um, pretty good food, nice atmosphere. We ended up moving here. Uh, been back to the U S like two times in the last 10 years. Uh, we essentially just fell in love with Ecuador and, uh, both our kids were born here. Uh, our son was born three years ago. Our daughter was born in 2012 and yeah, so I mean, good, good air, good people, good climate. And we, um, we just really enjoyed it here. So we sold our stuff and basically uh, transplanted our life here in 2010. Do you feel like this shift um, and, and living in Ecuador, do you feel like it supports your health and healing uh, of your body uh, more so than you could maybe accomplish in California? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For, for many different reasons. I mean, uh, like noise pollution, light pollution, these are all things that people don't realize just how how hectic it is to live in really dense urban and suburban areas. So I mean that there's a lot of stressors that you deal with in those areas, like just, you know, constant exposure to other people who are stressed out all the time. You know, where we live now it's it's a little bit more laid back atmosphere. People uh actually work with their hands. Um so that's a really big issue. Uh, sunlight year round, you know, you get probably, I mean, you probably get like 300, I don't know, like 275 to 300 days of sun, uh, of like good sun here. And the other days it's, you know, you wear a light, a light sweatshirt if it's at, at the coldest where we live. So really great climate, very, uh, good water quality, good air quality, um, yeah, I mean, that, it, a lot of that factors in significantly. And I think consistency with you know, environmental consistency is really important. When people travel a lot, their immune system gets taxed, right? Like you get uh, kind of tied into your local environment, the light cycles in your environment, and uh, having consistent food intake too, right? It's like a lot of people when they travel, a lot of athletes, they get sick when they go travel to compete because suddenly they're being exposed to things that they're not used to taking in. So you might, you know, somebody might go and take a trip to a Brazil or something. They get exposed to some microbe that they have no uh, experience with. And, you know, they have to, uh, you know, go fight for millions of dollars and suddenly they're, they got food poisoning. So I think, uh, you know, consistency with food intake and your food sourcing can be something that can be very uh, beneficial for, the immune system too. So I think environmental factors most definitely play into uh, to health, and you know it goes beyond just diet and food. There's uh, your circadian rhythm, the light that you're exposed to, air quality, water quality, uh, light pollution, noise pollution, and the quality of relationships and the quality of people around us affect us profoundly too. That's beautiful. That's really huge. I think people they do get caught up in, in that type of lifestyle, you know, the, the big city living and, and how that's not actually a normal thing, how it's super yeah. stressful on the body, how it's actually most places in the world, that's not the, the norm. Um, yeah. But we, well, yeah. And, and even just like phones and social media, you know, constantly having input, like hearing other people's thoughts all the time, you wouldn't have this. We, we never had that until, right now you know the you put out your thought in some social media posts and you get 50 different people 
coming at you trying to augment your thinking and tell you what's appropriate, what's not, what you can say, what you can't say. And it's like, this is so new and this is incredibly stressful to people. And people don't realize that a lot of your, uh, your immune system, parts of your brain that are associated with your immune system for your, uh, for your, your health, your ability to deal with, uh, toxic load, your ability to deal with, um, environmental stressors, viruses, bacteria, the brain, the parts of the brain that deal with social interaction also regulate the immune system. So it's, this is, uh, you can literally get sick from having a sick social environment. And I think we see a lot of people um, engaging in this. And I think this is even something that media and uh, you know, the whole you know, technocracy promotes through social media. They're, they're promoting this whole climate anxiety discussion. There was a social media post the other day from some page called like Science of Climate or Climate Science or something like that. And they were talking about how basically, oh, we all have PTSD because of climate change and you know, images of war and drought and famine and all these things that have always been happening, but now suddenly they're all because of climate change. Uh, the, these are all things that can really be burdensome to your mental health. And you know, so you have, you have like media and uh, these big social media conglomerates and these huge corporations that are using these platforms to influence people. Uh, you have them essentially creating mental illness in us and creating more stress uh, through social media. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so huge. And uh, the conflict that occurs on social media that people engage in, that people, you know, it's, it's a, it's a leech. It's a parasite. It's, it's just like you're saying, it's a big, it's a big thing. If somebody, you know, doesn't agree with me and they, they post it, I will block them because I will not have waste any time, you know, fighting over, over. You argue with everybody that disagrees on any little thing you say, spend all your time like that. I mean, it's just, it's a big drain. It's super draining. And, um, you know, so I think that's a really important piece for people to consider is the social media aspect, the social aspect, how are you involved? How are you sucked in? You know, where's your attention going? People don't know how to hold their own attention on their own thoughts anymore, even have their own thoughts because there's so much they're engaging with that tosses their attention from every point. Um, So I think that's how you form. That's how you engineer societies. That's how you, uh, that's how you socially engineer people. You give them the thoughts. You tell them what they can't think, tell them what's appropriate to think. And you can reinforce that through just, you know, behaviorism and, uh, everybody's their likes and their interactions on social media are directly um, intimately tied in at like a surgical level with their dopamine receptors and with their dopamine response. So it's very dangerous. Yeah. It's a drug. Yeah. It's, a, it's totally a drug. It creates those low dopamine states and people who are already prone to those people with depression, people with mental health issues, people with gut issues, you know, their dopamine's off. They're going to be more prone to getting sucked into this type of stuff. Yeah, which is like 95% of the population experiences <laughs> yeah, health issues, gut issues, depression. Now yeah. we have, we have a whole, there's a lifestyle that we're living in. It's so many of the, of the things that we're doing are just like ritualistically conjuring up these states. Yeah. 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 You know, constant, uh, checking in on social media, the constant argumentative uh, nature of social media, constant crisis state that yeah. they want to keep you in. 
Yeah. Um, you know, people thought TV was bad and it was, <laughs> a, you know, subversive mind control thing. Now everybody's carrying a TV with them all day yeah. and they've got infinite content to, uh, you know, to input into the system and the overarching messages can be subtly implanted in there and, uh, and, and drive people's behavior without them even understanding what's going on or knowing consciously that they're being influenced. You know, you, you can make people beg for their own enslavement if you, uh, if you wield that technology like it's being wielded today. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people, they'll, they'll make a big deal out of it. And it is of, of if they need to go and get like a CAT scan or some type of radiation exposure but yeah. what many people don't know is they're carrying around a bi-directional microwave device in their pockets or on them almost 24 seven. Right. And this has big, big impacts on their health as well. Absolutely. I mean, beyond just the, the social psychological issues that it causes, but also physically, you're just, yeah. you're radiating yourself. I mean, you should see the girls in Ecuador, they, they carry it around like in their pants so they'll wear like tight pants and they'll put the phone like right where their womb is in front oh, of the pants. No. That's where they all carry it. Oh, that kills me. And then like men carry the phones in their front pocket right next to their testicles. Oh. Like the iPads, the, the microphone or the, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, uh, not microwave, the antenna is on the back. Well, the, it is a microwave. The microwave antenna is on the back of the iPhone, the iPad, and that's sitting right in all these little girls' laps. So oh. it's... Uh, yeah. You know, they're they're very physically dangerous devices as well. Oh yeah, we're we're gonna see we're gonna see in kids, you know, you know, carrying around these devices, putting them in their pockets, putting them in their strollers. This is gonna be a massive issue. It already is, but it's going to explode. And and people are gonna be like, I have no idea why. It's that's yeah. the why. Well, that, that was you know part of the decision when we decided to move out to uh, to rural ecuador to the uh the andes here that was part of the decision it was you know we wanted to get away from a lot of this stuff but you know, as time goes by it's the this stuff it, it shows up everywhere you know we've got 4g here in town and i'm sure you know everybody's trying to push 5g uh globally they want to push this 5g system in as quickly as possible um so yeah i mean that no matter where you go right now it seems like this uh you know the the tech uh, push is is getting more and more intense, and these devices are becoming more ubiquitous, uh, which is you know, definitely something for people to consider. If you live next to a cell phone tower, if you got smart meters on your home, um, definitely something to consider as far as you know trying to take your health back. If you got a smart meter right outside your bedroom, that could be a major issue. Absolutely, a huge issue. Um, that's a big thing that I talk about with a lot of people I work with. We, all, we go into all that EMF stuff. There's been a um, some really great interviews thus far about with some EMF experts. So for those of you listening in, please listen to those episodes to get a better handle on your, your EMF lifestyle and how to mitigate that. Um, but Tristan, Hey, you all are getting ready to build, um, your own place there in Ecuador. Uh, tell us a little bit about this, your vision there, uh, your vision to, to live on the land with the land, uh, and, and, Give us a little insight there about what you're going for. Yeah, yeah. So we, I mean, we've got like a small piece of land here um, that we're, we've got a couple cows on it right now. We've got chickens in the house we live in right here. We've got to bring them up to our new spot. But uh, yeah, we're looking to really get the homestead kind of uh, uh, producing, right? Like our, our goal is to basically be able to live off of 
food that we've produced on our own land or you know at least a majority of the food uh you know being able to uh trade for and barter for uh for a lot of our food using the uh, the milk that we produce using the, the meat that we produce we we'll probably have some sheep up there really soon but yeah we're, we're finishing the house right now it's just like a real simple adobe structure with a wood roof and concrete floor um and the goal is to be as kind of self-sustained as we can within within reason and um yeah yeah we want to you know use ruminant animals use re- uh, regenerative agriculture to kind of restore the soil up there. We've already got a couple of milk cows up there. One of them is pregnant right now, so she should be uh, uh-huh. producing milk really soon. We're excited about that. Great. But yeah, we're, we're looking at like maybe one or two months and we could be finally living up in our own house and uh, milking our own cows and producing our own food. And yeah, we're, we're super excited for that. But it, it takes time, it takes energy, and it's you know, it's never, people say it's, it's never fun to, uh, to build a house. You know, I always talk about how stressful it is, but yeah. it's been, uh, it's been as low stress as it could have, as it could have been for us so far. We're excited. Yeah. Congrats. That's a big, that's a big deal there. Yeah. That's cool. Nice. Yeah, we're stoked on that. So I see the wood roof behind you. You've got kind of the, uh, the Spanish style architecture there, the Adobe house. Yeah. You know, look kind of similar to, uh, to that similar aesthetic. As, uh, as you have there yeah I, I love the adobe feel here there's um you know it's the main homes here in, in new mexico and i actually think they do a really good job of pro- protecting against emfs they seem really really good at that sort of thing as well um but really uh inspirational that you all are going for it living off the land building your own place um really really inspirational and um i hope it goes really well for you guys yeah, we're excited. You know, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's, there's give, there's trade-offs no matter where you live, right? Like there's Ecuador is really cool. There's certain things that are great and there's, uh, you know, certain things that are not as convenient. So, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the options you have you can sometimes be kind of limited on options for, uh, you know, for building materials and for the way things get done. But mm-hmm. we're, we're super excited to finally get up there. We just, we want to, want to have our own milk and make our own butter and all Sweet. that. So we're excited. That's great. That's great. So, um, Tristan, I'd love for you to uh, leave your message here with our guests for today. Uh, what are, what's some advice you would offer to other people out there? Maybe they're just starting keto. Maybe they're just starting their diet journey. Maybe they're healing from a condition. Uh, what's some advice? What, what would you tell someone out there? All right, well, I would say, well, especially if you're getting in, in, interested and involved in keto, look into the importance of animal foods, the bioavailability and digestibility of animal foods compared to plant foods, right? I mean, you've got so many reasons to look at consuming more animal foods and possibly even minimizing the consumption of these plant foods. So many people are taking their health back and taking their health to the next level uh, using a more carnivorous approach. So if you're doing keto, focus on the animal fats. Focus on the animal foods. Um, they're going to be easier digested, more bioavailable, and provide you more deep nourishing uh, nutrition, provide you more of what your body needs uh, in a nutrient-dense package that you're able to easily assimilate and easily digest. So, um, yeah, animal foods are crucial. The more you restrict them, the more you're going to suffer. And, um, yeah, we've got more information at primaledgehealth.com. We've got 
We've got a book, the uh, the Carnivore Cookbook, Zero Carb Recipes for People Who Really Love Animals. That's available at PrimalEdgeHealth.com. And um, yeah, we do a, we do a monthly coaching. It's actually it hasn't been every month the last few months, but for a while there we were doing every single month. Now we're spreading it out, kind of uh, decreasing the workload a bit. But we do our Keto and Carnivore Collective, where it's a group coaching uh, experience where we do four week coaching. You get two live interactive voice chats every week. We meet in a Discord server, so you've got a community support aspect to it as well. And, uh, and that's really fun. But we're just all about spreading the message about nutrient-dense animal foods, the importance of animal foods, local food production, regenerative agriculture, and um, you know, taking our health into our own hands. Because it's really important that we take responsibility for our choices of what we put in our body. Um, and we're, we're a lot more than just what we eat. Right. So food is important, but we're way more than that. Well, and you guys are you guys are living it. You're living proof of it. You're walking the walking your talk over there. Um, so thanks for being such a positive light, positive inspiration. Um, and yeah, of course, you all listening in here, check out their site, uh, primaledgehealth.com. It's got some great, great resources over there. For, for anyone looking to expand or even learn and get started with a ketogenic lifestyle. So thanks so much, Tristan, for, for being here. Hey, wish you the best with your, your home and your homestead development. Oh, thanks so much. It's been an honor talking to you and, and getting to know a little bit about what you're doing. I look forward to, uh, to checking out some more of your episodes too. Uh, I'll definitely have to check out some of the episodes with the, uh, the EMF specialists because this is something that, you know, even in Ecuador, is an issue no matter where you're at it's definitely something to uh to consider so yeah. thanks a lot for having me on i really appreciate it and you know best wishes for everything that you're doing i'm glad you're out there spreading the word and you know helping people to take their health back and to take their uh take responsibility for for what's going on in their lives thanks so much for joining tristan and i today for this insightful and informative myth busting episode today as you can see, Tristan's a wealth of knowledge in the realms of ketogenic and carnivore diets, and you all can learn more about him and his work and offerings over at PrimalEdgeHealth.com. Go on YouTube, search PrimalEdgeHealth.com, join their channel, some really, really great information and insight there all about uh, ketogenic diets and the realms of ketogenic eating and carnivore diets. I'm excited to have Tristan back on the show in the near future to talk more about the whole concept we just started to brush the surface with here today about regenerative agriculture and important topics like intermittent fasting and protein intake that all seem to be highly, misunder highly misunderstood topics in the keto and bulletproof mainstream world. So also during this episode, Tristan really inspired the start of a conversation that's near and dear to my heart, that's touched my life and has touched the lives of many, many people that I do one-on-one -on -one healing work with. And that is the topic of radionics, a frequency healing modality that I utilize in my healing practice uh, to approach all sorts of different kinds of diseases, but particularly gut autoimmunity, autoimmunity, and the detoxification of things like viruses, heavy metals, deuterium from the mitochondria, and other pathogens. And I found this modality to be so 
helpful in my practice and with my own health that the next episode I'll be dedicating entirely to teaching you all about radionics and this frequency-based modality to help get the word out there because this actually used to be a pretty well-known modality uh, until around the 70s or 80s when Monsanto got word of how it works and how farmers were actually utilizing it to keep pests off of their crops. Well, you all know Monsanto and his Roundup Ready uh, monopoly, basically. And so when he got word of this, he took this issue to court and basically banned the practice of radionics. Now, um, today that has shifted in a way you can now use it if you claim you're using it for experimental purposes only. And I'm going to get into the details about this during our next episode. Um, I'm going to talk about how it actually works, how it is used and how I utilize it to approach gut autoimmunity, autoimmunity and detoxification in the body. So I think you all are going to be blown out of the water by that next episode. And thanks for the inspiration there, Tristan, to get this information out there. So in the meantime, you all can head over to Insta and follow me, sunlight underscore RX, or on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Heather Shepard. And that is Heather Shepard, H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D. And really soon, I'm very stoked, maybe even at the release of this episode, my new site will be coming out, heathershepard.com. I'm really excited to share that site with you all. It's going to be super informative, and we're going to start getting to the root of your health issues. Thanks for tuning in today, and we'll see you next time. The Primal Pioneer podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease or medical condition. This podcast is not intended as medical advice. In the Western medical censor terms, please contact your medical physician when seeking medical advice or before starting a new medical program. Neither Heather Shepard or her guests are responsible for your health.